Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to UFC Roundup. Obviously, 284 just happened. An incredible weekend of fights. Super Bowl Sunday also happened, uh, and, and we had a, a you know a disappointing one for any Philadelphia fan. The Eagles took an L, but. Michael is in camp. First of all, we got to check in with you, Mike. I know you were saying before we got on here how sore you are. And yeah, dude. anybody that's ever lifted and got into intense training camps and maybe hasn't pushed it to the max yet. And then uh, how's that two-day soreness going coming along right now? Oh, two-day soreness is treating me good, you know. Uh, yeah, the uh, we worked legs pretty hard on Sunday, so I'm really feeling it today. That second-day soreness, it's, it's never fun. It's kind of like the last two minutes of the Super Bowl we just watched this weekend. It was not fun at all. You know, Paul, I'm sure that one hurt. What a good game we were watching. A little back and Such forth action. Game, and, uh, you know, McKinnon, he gets his opportunity to score that touchdown in the in the Super Bowl that every NFL player dreams of. And he had to slide it to one. So, yeah, Paul, I'm with you. I'm not I'm not even a Philly fan, but I got to support the NFC. So, you know, that was yeah. that was very that – was, that was a heartbreaker for you, I'm sure. It was tough, you know. Um this year, I actually am home for the Super Bowl. The last time I was doing what Ricci and all these guys were doing, but it was in Brazil the last time the Eagles won it. I only got to watch the first half in the Sao Paulo uh, lounge, then had to get on the flight. Me and Ricci were actually on the flight together, and we were looking at it on an app, just watching the football basically track each down <laughs> and what down it was and first downs and all that kind of stuff. So to be home and with the family and some friends and be able to watch it. And it's an epic back and forth in the way it ends like that. And that one call, man, come on. Ah, like, let him play ball. Come on. Exactly, man. I'm come not on. saying that, it, it, you know, it could have gone either way there, but uh, give them a damn chance to let, let these boys play it out. Man. But I, I, I'm excited for the future uh, yeah. for the team. You know, uh, I, yeah, I think we'll, we'll be back to this, to this game many more times with the way that team was playing. But Let's just get into it, man. Um, pound for pound greats were going at it this past weekend. And, man, Islam got the dub. But Volkanovski showed why he is one of, and as still, and we'll get into this later, pound for pound best, which is going to be a topic of conversation as we get into our five rounds, I believe, later on. But that short, stocky, strong SOB, man, came mm -hmm. ready to fight and delivered, man. But the control time for Islam really racked up and i i think we got to give credit where credit's due to islam striking truly is evolving he had volkanovsky hurt more than we've seen volk hurt in a lot of his other fights and, and that's something to really keep an eye on as islam progresses if he keeps working on that kickboxing we may see him catch some knockouts against some of these other opponents yeah i definitely agree with you there he was he was smart in the way they used his striking as well. He was smart to use the clinch. You know, inevitably he knew that that Alexander was going to collide with him. So yeah. he was smart to use that tie plump, use the clinch. He did it really effectively. Landed some good knees. Um, I'm not sure if it was the knees or the punches that uh, got that cut. There was that cut right right on the brow of, of Alexander Volkanovsky. But man. I, I got to admit, and a lot of people think there's this one guy, Paul. We were talking about it before. <laughs> Particularly got under my skin. I'm not even going to say his handle don't, because I'm don't not say his handle because that's what he wants. Yeah, but that's what he wants. It's like people think I'm picking against Islam all the time, and it's like no, the guy he's got amazing skills. You look at who his first title fight was against. It's Charles Oliveira, a guy who's literally been buzzing through people in the lightweight division. Like we're talking yeah. highlight real level finishes. So you know, I'm I'm going to go with the finisher, and for Volk, that's my boy. You know, I'm I'm me and the boys down under like this. So. 
you know, but I, I will admit, and, and this isn't me being biased, I was so impressed with Alex's skills. I mean, the way he was able to, he had moments where he was able to use counter wrestling and get the fight back into yeah. his, you know, he back on the feet. And at one point, he actually got him down on the ground in, at the end of the fifth. I spent a lot of my time rewatching the first, second, third rounds because four and five were so clear cut. I mean, round four, Islam basically had Alexander's back the whole time. And then round five, you know, that was what I call Volk's last stand. Like he knew, you know, he fought like he knew he was down on the scorecards. He fought like he was losing that fight. He went out there and tried to get a finish. Um, and it was his best round. I mean, he really, you saw such a big momentum shift. And it was one of those instances where you're like, could you imagine if there was another round? Like it, it yeah. would have been crazy. But, uh, you know, kind of circling back to what you said, Paul, about the pound for pound rankings and why he's still up at the top. Uh, I think that that round had a lot to do with it. I really do. I think that for him in that fifth round to come out guns blazing and have that have that type of performance in the last round of a of a grueling fight, I think that that had a lot to do with why they kept him at the number one spot. Yeah, and you know Volkanovski. I think if you're a fighter out there right now, especially a young fighter, and you want to really emulate somebody and look at somebody that's a current dominant champion still as he is because he's still the featherweight champion go look at what Volkanovsky is doing whether it's his game plan his work ethic his strategy because the guy shows up and just looks better every single time we fight whether it's the trilogy with Max Holloway whoever he's fighting he shows out every single time he's always in unbelievable shape whether he's moving up a weight class or making that big cut to 145 pounds, he looks sensational. This was an epic challenge, an epic supposed step up in competition. He was going to be undersized. He was supposed to be outmatched. Most people, other than yourself, Michael, had him mm -hmm. counted out. Now, granted, we both agreed that this, I thought this was going to be a decision. I think Volk's too good and too tough. Now, that was last week when we did this show. After what I saw, I, I think he is going to go down as one of the greatest UFC fighters Ever. I mean, he's unbelievable the way that he rises to the occasion on fight night. Now, that being said, I think a lot of people are kind of not giving Islam the credit he deserves, too, because, listen, I think in the future we're going to look back and say, well, damn, he's he won the fight. OK, and I, I, I think he won the fight. I think it was razor close. And I think a lot of emotions were involved in people that are big fans of Volkanovsky and letting the crowd involvement kind of maybe sway the way the fight was going. I think it was super close. I think the one judge's scorecard, I think Ricci has them. We could take a look at the scorecards too. Yeah. Four rounds. I think it was three to two. And, but I, I mean, my God, the dude is just figuring it out. Talk about a well-rounded mixed martial arts. And for Islam to show those improvements in the striking, to be able to, you know, grit through it. That we've This is the first time in a while we've seen, he really had to dig deep and pull cardio out. And he had a rough weight cut that we saw. Um, I'm just, I'm so impressed by both guys. I'm just so curious to say what's next, because I wouldn't mind seeing that fight again, but then we're holding up potentially two divisions, right? Volkanovsky, obviously, and Yair should be fighting. Islam has got a, a I mean, Benil Dariush, first one that comes to my mind. I don't yeah, mind sliding him. Me. I don't mind sliding him right in there. Yair right over here with Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky versus Yair. You got Islam takes on. Um, Benil Dariush, even if that doesn't happen, Charles, whoever he ends up fighting, uh, well, Charles might have to fight. Um, 
I think they were talking about Charles and Benil. Wow, I start to look orange there. Wow, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they got to do Charles and Benil for sure. Um, or not Charles and Benil. I think that that's what they said they were going to do. They're talking about doing yeah. Charles and Benil in May, but I think that Islam wants to stay active. I mean, this is a guy that struggled to get fights for a long time. Like, a lot of people give Islam flack. Like, well, you didn't fight as many ranked opponents. It's like, well, that's because a lot of ranked opponents got that contract. And we're like, nah, yeah, you can no. have it back. Slid it back to the matchmaker saying, I'm good on the, on the Islam knee hurts. challenge. My knee yeah, hurts. My, I got a bum knee. But, you know, I think that if you want to keep you want to keep Islam active, you slide Benil right in there. And it's not like it's like, well, we'll just go with him. It's like this is yeah. a guy that's on a, an amazing win streak. He's out here finishing guys clamoring for his shot not a lot of people are clamoring to fight islam not even the guys in the top five he's the only person really saying his name so you got to do that and then you got to do yair for sure oh yeah I yeah mean, yair, yair in volkanovsky is going to be an amazing fight good fight and, and and we'll get into yair's performance before we before we move on real quick though do you think now this is just me putting some ideas out there to talk about since Volk, especially being the smaller guy, even though he's a freaking monster and dominant champion at 145, the way he gave Islam trouble, do you think some of the lightweights now kind of perk up a little bit? Like, all right, there's there's some ways to beat him, or does he just have the physical attributes, being that shorter, stockier, stronger fighter with the background of, of just going in his rugby days with guys that are so much freaking bigger than him? Um, what do you tough. think? I, you know... I think it, it kind of it's a kind of a double edged sword because I think Volkanovski's just that good. I mean, he's that well prepared. Like you said, he dude, he he is in shape, f- tremendous shape all the time. He can he has all the skills. He can strike. He can wrestle. He can counter wrestle. Oh, he could have had a conversation at the end of that fifth round. He could have he could have went and had a, a, a he wasn't a even breathing hard. Some biscuits and then came back out and continued <laughs> fighting. And then, but on the other side with Islam, he's starting to look human. Khabib, yeah. Khabib never. Really never looked human and i know we always bring his name just seems to always come up when you talk about islam and i think it's because there's been so much emphasis on like even khabib takes over the post-fight speech headed into the volkanovsky fight so that's why he always comes into the equation i feel like but islam looked human he looked human but i will say this he is so skilled i do feel like islam is shackling himself a little bit with this weight cut i think that there is a chance that at the time that volkanovsky fights yair Fights a few more featherweights. You know, Arnold Allen, if he beats Max Holloway, you know, that's another guy. You got to get in there with Volkanovsky yeah. as well. I think it could be the time where they eclipse each other, where Volk goes up at the same time Islam is. And I think Islam should. If he struggled that bad to make the weight cut, I mean, you know how these guys train. They train in the mountains. They live in the mountains. They, they're always running. They're always wrestling. They're Just always training. About that's diet, all they have man. to do. What are you going to do? Kick rocks at your friends or go wrestle? Like, that's all they've done growing up. So yeah. I feel like he's really I – th- I think the weight cut's kind of shackling him a little bit. I think if he went up to 170, I think he'd be able to spread his wings a little more, and and uh, and I think he'd look a little better. Certainly becoming in a lot healthier. Um, yeah, he really sure. bad at, at the weigh And, you know, Dan Hooker – yeah. yeah. He had heard through the through the interwebs or the the yeah. you know, his, uh, support teams out there that they were looking for you know what's to rehydrate, but God. I mean obviously nothing got caught. No no proof no. of that. But all speculative, speculative stuff. I know. I just yeah. thought of, I thought I love I love when the when that kind of stuff happens. A little little bit of love, drama going. I love on a little controversy. Makes the sport interesting. Make, of course. At, 
But speaking of no controversy and no decision needed, Yair Rodriguez, holy crap. Did he come out like he was going to do some damage from the beginning, man? The kicks were on display. The body work was on display. He just looked he looked like a champion out there. And Emmett's a tough son of a bitch to take out like that, man. To, try, to beat him up that bad and then tr- get a triangle choke. Dude, impressive impressive performance awesome moment with his mother there i think in the front row too before he went in there you could tell mama's there he is he was fired up to do some damage in that fight yeah and he did everything right this camp i mean he trained in mexico city at elevation um another champ camp for that young man yes you know ian was in the corner doing the or ian was in the camp doing the nutrition mike valley was back on the reins, which I think is is a great fit. That's, yep. That was his coach when he first really got in the UFC. Yep. But, man, I mean, I was expecting, like, a back-and-forth war. I'm thinking this is going to be a fight of the year. Yeah. And it looked like masterclass of the year. I mean, Yair, even he actually absorbed a few pretty heavy shots from Emmett, and he ate him like nothing. He Like, it just they didn't even phase him. He just kind of snapped his head back a little bit, and he got right back in the mix. But I love the way that he attacked the body. You know, I thought that he would just use the kicks to occupy the hands of Josh Hemmett, but no, he, I mean, he broke through his arms as he was deflecting him and was able to do some devastating damage, but it was that nice short, that pokey elbow. Usually when someone gets rocked from an elbow, it just comes from way around. He was just like, boom, just like bumped him right on the side of the head. Yep. And I think it threw Emmett off because Emmett was, had all these really fast strikes coming at him. He didn't see coming. And it was almost like an off-timing elbow. Like, you could see it coming slow. His last minute just popped it. Um, but, I mean, that's 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 how you punch your ticket to a shot at the champ. Because, if it, you know, let's say, you know, somehow Yair and, and, and Josh don't deliver in terms of the fight. And the winner kind of has more lackluster type of fight. Well, then, you know, yeah, I, bet you Volkanovsky's, yeah. I bet you Volkanovski's going to say, screw this. I'm staying up here. I want Islam again. And there's a chance that that would happen. That fight was so good. You, I wouldn't be surprised if the UFC ran it back again. That's a classic. But you go out there and punch your ticket by just disposing of an ultra-tough, dangerous Josh Emmett, you got yourself a shot at the champ. So, And that's always going to be fun when the champ and the interim champ unify the belts, love fights like that, love the matchup. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, and I just wonder where they could do that one. I'm already thinking of you know, where are we going in the future and where could they – Potentially headline and how could I work it is already mm. what, I, what right. I'm thinking. You know, I want to work that one. Uh, yeah, I, I want on if Volkanovski fighting, and I'm, I am a big Yair Rodriguez, and and that just cemented it for me. And I just hope now he's healthy, stay yeah. healthy, stay active, Yair. We want to see you in there, man. I mean, you're he's so talented, so amazing, but we just haven't seen him consistently enough. And now it's like, all right, it feels like he's getting into a stride and I hope he can keep it. Hope he can stay injury free. He, you know, obviously ended in the second round. He didn't take that much damage in that mm-hmm. fight. So um, why don't you, uh, why don't we handicap the, uh, the, the fight if he does take on uh, Volkanovski? I think we have the odds. Are they up there already? I can't. I yeah. My cat up. Yeah. There you go. I mean, but Hey, yeah, you're listen, I, I think that's pretty justified after the performance that, Volkanovski just did against the pound for pound one of the other pound for pound greats in Islam up a weight class at that didn't win but I mean you know yeah close close fight I think for Yair you know I worked his fight against Brian Ortega and he talked about um, preparation and how he's able to preserve himself because the way he fights you got to leave a part of yourself out there you know like we talked about in the last show 
Yair is no, notorious for going out on crutches, going out, carried yeah. out because he uses his legs so much. But I think that he's one of those guys nowadays that his that his his training has evolved into less contact. I think that he's a guy that just knows he can fight, knows when that octagon door closes, he can get out there and do the dance. So I think he focuses a lot on skills, a lot of drilling, probably more touch sparring. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's going to help a lot with keeping him active because that's that's the the real challenge that comes with being a champion. And you know, this is all me looking from the outside in because I trust me, I've had my eyes asphyxiated on that title for a long time. And I feel like the biggest challenge comes with activity. It's like you finally win the title. And you're like, oh, okay, man, now I think I want to rest a little bit. It's like, no, now you won the title. You got to turn around and defend it. Like they're they're not yeah. you're not given this luxury of a vacation. You win no. the belt. You got to get back in the mix. So for Yair, if he goes out there and fights Volkanovski, you got to be prepared to where if you can, you go out there and take out the number one pound for pound guy. Be ready to have a a faster turnaround than you're used to. Dude, it's like it's like in a movie when that laser from the gun just ends up on your forehead and you're like, where's it? Where's it coming from? <laughs> and there's all these different lasers all over you. That, that's what everyone's, it's like when you everyone's on you. Yeah, yeah, it went from like, yeah, yes, I got the belt of lifetime achievement, everything I've ever worked for. Oh, wait. No, now you're just, it's like when we say when you get your black belt, right? I mean, we yeah. said it from when I was a kid in martial arts. So many people want to get the black belt. Oh, I got the black belt and they quit. It's like, well, now you're, now you're just getting started. Now you know the martial art. Now you yeah. know the system, the game. Now, how good can you be? Now, can you teach it? Can you? And it's the same with becoming a champion. It's like, oh, now you got the belt. Now, let's see how great you are. Can you keep it from all the hungry mouths and the hands that are trying to reach and grab it the whole time? Um, Absolutely. And another hungry welterweight. Summer. Man. Buddy. Madalena. Uh, <sighs> I mean, this is your division right now, Mike. So you, you tell us what, what you saw in that kid on, on that night. You know, the fight was short, but you can assess a lot from the from the length of that fight. And he is dude, he's a cool customer. I mean, it didn't Randy Brown didn't jump out front and look like he was gonna cruise to a decision or win the fight or anything like that, but definitely used his weapons right. Long yep. jabs, long kicks, slick movement. Maybe got a little bit too cute with it. Uh, I'm the type of guy where if I'm fighting somebody that has one shot knockout power, I am not putting my hands down. I'm not doing any Ali shuffles or nothing. I am going to be like defense locked on point at all times, especially a guy like Jack. What do you defend? Your body or your head? Pick your poison. Like you have to be so on point when you fight this guy. And I mean, the second Randy Brown had a lapse, and that's what I'm talking about, that composure. He comes in with that beautiful, like a clothesline hook, catches him, you know, just a few follow-up shots. But you can see that guy has special power. Like, it's not like there's not a huge windup. It's not a super fast punch. The placement's great. His vision's awesome. Um, And I'm already thinking about who he can fight next. I mean, now that he's up in the rankings, he talked about Vicente Luque. I think that would be, I mean... What a fight. And that's a great – if you want to talk business, the business side of the sport, that's a, that's a fight you do to headline, you know, a fight night in Australia or a fight night in New Zealand. Like, that's a perfect main event. Like, Vicente yeah. Luque's must-see TV. And Jack Madalena is like – Jack Della Madalena is like the second coming of a guy like Vicente Luque. Pocket puncher, high defense, works the body, works the head. That would be a big challenge for Jack, so – that's the fight I'm lobbying for next for him. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one. Um, 
and, and like you said, you you talked about a potential matchup with Wonder Boy and how Wonder Boy striking could be could be the uh, a kryptonite for that maybe. But what is Wonder Boy ranked right now? That might be a big jump for. Uh, I think I have the I have the rankings up right here. Might be a big jump, but that would be fun, right? That'd be super interesting. I'm sure Wonder Boy's. That's a fight that he might be like, um, even though that guy's not up there in the ranks, it's a W that he might say, oh, listen, that's a scalp that's going to get me a ton of respect. Oh, he's number six. So that's yeah, but he's, Wonderboy takes that fight, in my opinion. I mean, if, he, if he'll fight Kevin Holland, you just look at the landscape of who he could fight. And it's a striker. And Wonderboy made, he it, very, he's made it very clear. He only wants to fight strikers. Like, in, in yeah. he... I don't blame him. Look how he fought Kevin Holland. I don't want to fight strikers too. If I didn't have to, if him not worrying about the threat of takedown makes him a completely different fighter. Like it's a night and day difference between which Wonder Boy you're going to get. And I think he looks at a guy like Jack Della, like, hey, that might be my next best option because I've already fought most of these guys. And then you got the Shavcats. You you know you've got these other guys, the Sean Brady's, the guys that have, that can grapple. He's not going to want to fight those guys. I wouldn't be surprised if Wonder Boy says, hey, I'll fight Jack Della. Not to mention yeah. Tim. I think I don't know if Tim. So Tim Simpson split from Audi Atar, and I know that he's got Jack Della. So I wonder if if Audi's still with uh, Wonder Boy or if he's with the other guy because then they can match him against each other. So who knows? Oh yeah. Those but we're talking about guys. Jack Della and all this, all the potential matchups with him. I mean, this what a fun guy to watch. This guy is. Oh. You know, I like the demeanor. It's about yeah. time we get a superstar that's just kind of a quiet guy, doesn't say a lot. Just who's got out. who's got a worse nose than you and I combined, and one hundred percent. But at least it's not some guy that's chirpy and loud and talks a bunch of trash. You know, like we got some hype behind the guy that's genuine. And it's look like Jack Dell's the type of guy I'd want to go have a beer with. That's just the I, best was, I was it. just gonna say if there's somebody yeah. that I got to roll into a bar where I'm not sure what's gonna go down here. I'm sitting I next want, to him. I want Jack <laughs> on my team all day. Oh yeah. Long. I mean, oh, first yeah. of all, first of all. Who's coming up to our table if Jack's with us and thinking, I'm going to mess with these dudes right here. You take one look at Jack Della and Madalena and you go, you know I'm, I'm going to pass on this one, man. I'm gonna yeah. Pass. Even the way he talks, too. He's just got – he's got gusto. You know? yeah. It's like it's – like, I like to see the quiet, confident guy. We get a lot of brash people in this sport, especially the ones that get a lot of the attention. Yeah. And, and Jack's just that cool customer that doesn't have to say a lot that you're like, yeah. This he just smirks at you. The nose, yeah, he just has the nose that smirk. smirk. Just knows. Big fan. Big fan of Jack Della. You like welcome, Jack. Welcome we got to get – Richie, we got to try to get Jack on. I know yeah, the time difference is going to be rough. But Love it. We got to get Jack on here for sure. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I think it's time to uh, – are we ready for five rounds, Reach? I think we're ready for five rounds. Our first round, I think, is going to be pound for pound, potentially. It could be uh, wrong. Maybe not. What do we got? Yes, pound for pound. Yes. It is. Pound it for is. pound. Well, very interesting, right? Um, the official pound for pound list came out, and Volkanovski still sits atop of uh, that ladder. And There's I think so a lot of crap people I want to say about this list. I mean, I, it's I like, yeah, I, I, we could do a show on this list in itself and talk about how poorly put together it is. Well, it's tough, right? It, it, it definitely is one of those things where it just doesn't, the math doesn't make any sense. It's like me trying to relearn the math that my second grade uh, daughter is, is learning now, where it's the opposite of everything I've ever learned. I, I think we get caught up in, you know, Oh, you beat so and so, so you get on the list. But 
that doesn't always make sense, right? Because you got Camaro and Leon. Leon takes the spot, but then Islam beats Volk, but they were a different weight class, so he doesn't take the spot. And other people, you win one fight or you win the belt. You know what I mean? There's, I'd like to know the rhyme and reason on how they come to this these conclusions. Yeah, you know, I yeah, I wasn't going to do it. But I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to dive in a little bit. I, for one, just going to jump out front and say it. This isn't me being biased. I think Volkanovski, rightfully so, like I said at the top of the show, he earned that spot to be at the top. I mean, that fifth round told the story. He's still the pound-for-pound guy. You know, like, if he would have went out there and got his butt kicked, yeah, different conversation. But it's like Israel Adesanya. How – A, how is he below – how is he number five? But then the guy that beat him is number six. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. And then Yuri Prohaska, look, I am I am – one of the biggest Yuri Prohaska fans you're going to find. I think the guy is incredible. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch right now. But he shouldn't even be up here. It's like it's you, you don't have enough fights in the UFC. I know he won the title. But I, but that I think doesn't that, make you pound for pound, right? That like That's what we agree. It does like, not make you pound for pound. He should not be ahead of a guy like Robert Whitaker. He should not be ahead of a guy like Dustin Max Poirier. Holloway. I know he's won the title, and I know that that's a very big credential, but – when you talk pound for pound, you got to look at the strength like, of schedule. Who have they beat within the last three years, four years? Look at the yeah. win streak. Look at the names. Like, I, 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 myself, honestly, Paul, I don't like the pound for pound list because it's speculative and I think it's toxic. The pound for pound list is so toxic because everybody wants to argue about, you know, it's like the internet. I hate to say it, this is weird, but it's so evident. This this fight created so much toxicity on social media. Like it is so heated back and forth in between who won between Islam and Volk. Yeah. It's like I was I'm in. I, it's been a long time since this has happened, but it's like this is why I hate the pound for pound list. Is that's where the argument is still revolving around now? It's like yeah. this is such a speculative thing. It's a matter of opinion, and it's like they need to release who who are the people that do the rankings. I would like to know because. Much like, even though it's kind of insignificant because rules are more important. Like we need to know the rule meetings. We need to know who are the officials for the for the rules for fights. But this pound for pound list and these rankings, we should have access to those guys as well because it's like you you need to answer to us how these decisions are made. Okay, like uh, the pound for pound list. You got to explain it to Michael in a closed room. Yeah, dude, it should be a panel of fighters. It should be a panel of people within the sport, not like. I feel like you could just start a, uh, an MMA website and like that automatically qualifies you. Like, I don't yeah. know. Eh. Yeah. Eh. I mean, yeah, there's, there's room for, for journalists and stuff to have opinions on this sport and to make these calls a hundred percent. But I think you're right. I think just the criteria needs to be explained on like, Hey, what do we, what do we, like, what's, what's the basis for this? And um, listen, nobody, yeah. uh, you know, to all those people on that list, first of all, we're not, yeah, you guys, it's nothing sure. to do with no. you. Especially it, 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 would the, it would be a lot of the I same people. I don't want people. him showing up at my doorstep. Well, it would be a lot of the same people, though. If you think about it, like, that list isn't really going to change. The names yeah. aren't going to change, but it's the order. Like, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Unless you can word it to me and explain it to me how these decisions are made, I don't know. It's, it's I mean, just... the rankings are tough enough. You yeah. To pound for pound. Anyway, I digress. Round two. We got a lot of returns coming, Michael. Um, Jones, Masvidal, Connor's coming back uh, on the Ultimate Fighter. We got a lot of big moves. What are some of the bigger 
needle movers um, that you're excited about? And is there any that uh, aren't mentioned in those three, three or four names that we just mentioned right there? Obviously, Connor coming back is huge. It's right? huge. That's a big John, one. I'm excited. I'm very excited to see heavyweight John Jones. I, I must be honest. It's finally happening. It's coming up soon. He spent enough time to get into this frame, so hopefully he goes out there and he can perform. And we're all, you know, the last couple of fights weren't exactly his strongest performance. I feel like he got a little bored and stagnant in the weight class. I'm interested to see what the numbers are going to do because he's kind of been away from the game for a while. Do all the new, you know, the, the newer fans that we've gotten throughout the pandemic and stuff like that, is everyone aware of how great this man is? That's another thing. No, I don't think they are. I think that John Jones, I mean – John Jones took a step back at the time we were going through like a paradigm shift in the sport where it's like, we're getting new fans. We're, we're, he hasn't even fought on ESPN yet. I don't think, has he? Uh, man, he has, how long has it been? Three, four Yeah, Richie, that's a great question. I don't even know if he's fought on ESPN. Let's find no. out here. Uh, I'm sure he'll answer that in a second. Views, right? so he was yeah, but I, I just well. wasn't sure if that was still Fox because we took over 2019. So I think, no, I think the Reyes fight was was uh espn plus yeah it was just just being the pay-per-views on espn but for jones yeah it's going to be interesting to see how he looks coming back and i i've talked to a lot of people that have trained at jackson's in the past and it's like he just was so confident and light heavyweight that he, you know it's not like he'd put in the most grueling camps you know he'd still yeah. train hard john jones is one of the most meticulous guys you'll ever see in the sport like i i talked to guys that were coaches in the training room with him and if somebody caught him with the left hook in sparring, he would go drill the defense and the counter to that left hook on the bag for like two hours straight nonstop. Like the guy, there's a big attention to detail, but just at light heavyweight, I feel like he could just cruise through these guys. So he cruised through his camps. Now I feel like the heavyweight challenges that lie ahead of him really have him stepping up his game. But I think for now, the Jones fight's big. I think by the time Connor gets done with the ultimate fighter, there's going to be so much hype around that fight with Chandler, I think that the commercial itself could almost detonate and explode. But I will say it's going to be pretty cool to be in Miami to see Jorge Masvidal in the co-main event yeah. at 7. Yeah. The, the pop he's going to get from his people. I mean, he we haven't been to Miami, I think, in 20 years. It's been a long time. Yeah. So how fitting to have Miami's finest. Uh, it's fun, man. It's fun that we're going back to some cities. And it's fun that we're going back to you know, Miami, I know we got Kansas City, San Antonio coming up. Um, we got some unannounced European ones that are going to be coming up. I'm not sure where they're going to be yet, but feels feels like we're finally Kansas City. What we were doing. Wait, could you imagine working in Kansas City, how much barbecue you would eat? Oh, I know. But... Oh, that's going to be – that would be unreal. I would probably have barbecue sauce stains over all my suits the whole week. <laughs> well, I'll be there, so I probably will. Oh, you will? Dude, you're lucky. Anyway, round three, big announcement, obviously, during the production of 284. Jens Pulver finally yeah. getting the nod from the UFC into the Hall of Fame. And, man, this is a guy, first UFC lightweight champion. This is a, I can remember watching his fights with BJ Penn. I can remember watching him on WEC with Faber. All those fights, I remember thinking this dude was the best, just this kind of Small, unassuming guy, but toughish. You know what I mean. I remember watching his strength and conditioning. I remember, I remember to this day watching that he would take tennis balls, and that's how he would do his pull-ups to get his. He would say it would help him like with a, a harder punch and a better grip. And I remember thinking, oh, that how hard and trying to do that back then. So that's 
And then obviously, you know, we've had the same, same manager for years and I've gotten to hang out with Jens. And this is a dude himself that was not trying to push this. He's a quiet guy, does his things, always on Twitch and all that stuff. But congratulations to Jens, man. I, this this is well-deserved. And I, I think uh, this this is a long time coming. Yeah, just a true pioneer of the sport. I mean, he was 100%. the first UFC lightweight champion and he's a Washington boy. Wash House, stand up. You know, this guy was a two-time state champ from Tahoma High School, uh, UFC champ. You know, he fought in pride. Um, you know, and if you know, if you knew about, you know, being from Washington, I hear a little more of the backstory is, you know, from Jens Pulver's um, upbringing. And that guy had it very tough. He talks about it openly. Um, and then also being from Washington, you know a lot about the There's deep history in, in mixed martial arts within Washington State. You'd be surprised. Uh, and then it goes back to the Militich era at the same time AMC was going on with Matt Hume. And there was this real deep, very, very heated rivalry in Washington State between Team AMC and Team Militich. So, um, when, you know, when, when Jens fought Dennis Hallman, that was a big fight, you know, and uh, especially for Washington. Both guys from Washington, everyone looked at Jens like he betrayed Washington, going to, going to Militich and all this crazy stuff. But nonetheless, very fitting for the for a little evil Jens Pulver to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm very excited for him. So he deserves it. A hundred percent. And it was cool to see how he had, you know, been kind of duped into thinking he was going to watch some like, where are they now thing? And then suddenly he's realizing he's getting into the Hall of Fame. So that was cool to see. Um, round four this weekend coming up. Uh, Jessica Andraj, the G that she is coming off a big win, stepping on short notice to take on up-and-coming Aaron Blanchfield uh, in the main event this Saturday in Las Vegas at the Apex. This was a pleasant surprise for me when I saw this. Obviously, I don't wish anybody to get hurt and get pulled out of a fight, but, man, this is a big, huge opportunity for Aaron Blanchfield uh, to step up against somebody like Jessica Andrade and looking as good as she did in her last fight She's on one. She wants to keep that momentum going. I love to see that from Jessica where she's like, listen, let's keep the ball rolling. I'm feeling good. Just fought what down in Brazil at what mm. a month ago, not even. So um I'm pumped to work that one. I'm excited. Yeah, you know, Blanche feels hungry. She she is she wants to take all comers. She's very confident in herself, as she should be. She's got she's got great skills. It's good to see some new blood making their way up the rankings at 125 pounds. Uh, and she just not like she had an easy that much of an easier fight. I wouldn't even say an easier fight, but she was fighting Talia Santos, who her she was just coming off a fight against Valentina Shevchenko, correct? I'm pretty sure that's who she was supposed to fight initially. And then yeah, Talia Santos fell off and she gets Jessica Andrade. And I think that yeah. that's too tough fight, girl. no doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough fight for Aaron Blanchfield. She's made it vocal, she wants the title. I mean, you go out there and beat Jessica Andrade you pretty much locked yourself into that spot and you're going to get the next shot at Valentina Shevchenko. That that's my opinion. Um, but that's a tall order. And for Jessica, you know, she's always in Las Vegas. I'm sure she's there right now. And I'm sure it was kind of a no brainer. Like, Hey, we're already here. We're already training. I mean, their team is their mainstays at the PI. Yep. Might as well take the fight. So good on both females. That's going to be a fun main event. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I just love that. Love that. If yeah. you're there, you're feeling good. You're prepared. You didn't take any, Kind of, like fought, kind of like when you fought uh old boy on five days notice rda you know RDA, like, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. i'm here might as well do it you were supposed to work the desk weren't you and then or you i were was supposed to I was, I was going yeah i was going to be no i was supposed to work 
Was it the desk? I no, I you're. I think you were going to work that event because you were already there. Yeah. And you're like, fuck I, it, I'm here. Well, I wasn't there yet. I was. It wasn't even. It was like. Uh, I was going to fly out. I think that Thursday to work the event, but instead I had to fly out on Monday, to uh, cut you know eighty pounds and kill myself. But <laughs> so super exciting. Um, fight this weekend. I will be yeah. there. But listen, round five. We got to get real serious for a second. Yeah, okay? let's do it. I'm going to bring it down a notch. All right. Because sometimes on Roundup, you know, we got we to gotta talk sandwiches. We were talking pound for pound. We're talking the pound for pound greatest fighters on the planet. But what about the top five pound for pound sandwiches? Okay. Mm. Let's get real here, Michael. Let's hear some of your list. Now, listen, we didn't think about this ahead of time too much. So let's just roll no. off the cuff. Yeah. What are some sandwiches on that list? I'm not going to do any rankings i'm just gonna go top five let's give some sandwiches. I, I would really have to i would really have to break down some film yeah uh, i really need some i need some sandwich bios if some i really samples. want to get into making some samples some samples you know yeah. you got to put a club sandwich in there club sandwich is a staple three pieces of bread you know the way it's cut the meats the vegetables it's nice um yeah, sandwich attributes know, we need some sandwich I'm a, attributes. i'm, a, I'm an og like roast beef and provolone or like a french dip something within that echelon of sandwich um you know i like an italian sub something with salami and pepperoni and olive oil and something like that yeah breakfast sandwich definitely gotta do a breakfast sandwich um oh, okay that's all that's that's on my top that's a pound for pound for me okay a bacon egg and cheese a bacon, egg, and cheese on either like a round Kaiser roll yeah. or a long hoagie roll is on the pound for pound list for me. You can't beat it. And then I think for the it. fifth one, steak, I'd probably do cheesesteak cheese, is on I'd the see, pound for pound list. I'm not a, I'm not from Philly, so I don't really have like I don't really it's have cheese on steak. the list, Michael. I'm not contending. I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> you're, you're very right. But Richie, I, my what you got on your like list? A chicken Type parm it. or like a meatball, something with some marinara, you know, like. Hey, what about meatball? I mean, a meatball sandwich is classic. Yeah, always. Just straight up meatball sandwich is up there. Yeah. Um, an Italian hoagie is probably up there of pound for pound greatest sandwich. Yeah. All time. The meatball, the Italian sandwich. I think the a club sandwich. I'm down for that. But like a just a classic breakfast sandwich is up there. And listen, yeah. if you're more of the. You, you know, you got the Cubano side of things. Mexicans, Mexican got the uh, Ooh, tortillas. Yeah. They're delicious that's, sandwiches, too. That's so. a dark horse in the division is that. Bro, Dude, I just had a tortilla. That's a dark horse. Spot around the corner uh, a, a few days ago. And my mind was blown. And it was just like a chicken breast, but it had this chipotle mayo, mm. slices of avocado mm. and cheese all over it. Unfreaking believable. Shout out oh, to yeah. El Limon around the corner. And also like a chicken pesto panini. You know, if you get the Panini's chicken, black. the pesto, the peppers, and they press it with the cheese, that's yeah. always like, yeah, even it's just tough. Like, we were saying this before the show that like the sandwich thing is totally not a gimmick. Like this is yeah. like, you like if sandwich. I'm having a cheap meal for all you people out there, this isn't like an advertisement. I should get paid for this, but you guys should go to the Instagram page, the Naughty Fork, and the sandwiches yeah. that they post on the Instagram page, they keep me up at night. They're unreal, <laughs> unreal. I'm making one this weekend. Oh wait, Richie's got one for us, Michael. I don't oh, know if you saw this, but uh, I think we. we, I, wish oh, we had, I still wish we had video footage of Sage Northcutt's um, raw oh. onion, disgusting oh. chicken breast, um, oh. horrible bread, Dude. no sauce, 
ketchup that's sandwich. That's like something like an 80-year-old person would eat, I feel like. That's like an old person sandwich. You know what? Like onions, mustard. It is an old, yeah, might as well throw some sardines from a can on yeah, there. Yeah, something nasty and some like liverwurst. sausage. What about some liverwurst on yeah. there? You know what I mean? All right, listen. Uh, on that note of liverwurst and the Sage Northcutt's worst sandwiches in history. We're out of here. This is UFC Roundup. Make sure you go and watch the fights this weekend. It's going to be an awesome main event. at Jessica Andrade, Aaron Blanchfield, myself going to be there. I, uh, I think, uh, anyway, we won't get into every every detail of it. Michael's not working this weekend. He's training for a fight. Peace out, everyone.